0: Well, we have just heard an interview from one of the students who went to Asbury University to see what was happening with this outpouring, and that has been going on almost a month now. So we're down the road. It has moved to a variety of universities, Christian ones, secular campuses, all over the place. It has uh, impacted groups and groups of people. It was in uh, just heard that ORU had an outbreak too. So we've got some local and things are uh happening down in Texas at A and M. And, you know, I don't know if you're in favor of A and M, but there you go, the Aggies got something. The Lord showed up. And so there's there's just this thing that God is doing where Gen Z and sometimes millennials get Seen as, well, they're just they're bailing, you know. They're just not spiritual. They just don't understand the importance of things. And you know, I don't know. I just heard a kid who seemed to he seemed pretty excited about what the Lord's doing, and and it's transformed his life. And I, I don't care what generation it is. God is real. He's still touching people's lives. Are there times when people pull away or they don't know or they've they've Turned to other things, other gods. Yeah, that happens. Franklin Graham, found out, is in Vietnam, Ho Chi Minh City. First time an evangelist since all of the mess that happened years ago took place. Uh, They've opened it up. 300 churches supported him, and he is there for a spring love fest for three days. So Ho Chi Minh City, and they are presenting the gospel. Ninety-eight percent of Vietnam are non-Christians, Buddhist and animist. And so for them, this is, this is huge. Many have never heard this. So the, the ones who have come to Christ are the, the Hmong, Hmong people, and they are looked down on and, and treated badly in general. And then they come to Christ, and that just makes them worse. So they get their, they can't sell their things in the market. If they may show up and burn their houses or their villages, just trying to run them off, they're just treated badly because of Christ. I mean, because they identify with Christ. That that, uh, event that's happening could be an open door to a number of people who have not either heard the gospel. In in some clear fashion, or the power of God is going to sweep across Vietnam like it is across campuses, and some amazing things are going to happen. So watch the news stuff's stuff's popping all over the place. It's it's an incredible time. We are about to look at Colossians one fifteen through twenty three, and and the. Uh, message here in, in Colossians is that Christ is supreme. Christ is supreme. I want you to remember this is a letter Paul the Apostle has written to a group of people and this is in, this Colossae is a city in Turkey now, what is now Turkey. It wasn't a major city but it is it, 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 it still has significance it's a um, uh, a town that not that Paul had not met uh, he had not met the people he had not been there to preach this is a letter sent to them I want you to know that so that you're thinking okay so why would he say the things he's saying why would he write a letter like this and you know how we write you know how you doing how, how are them cowboys you know we get into some serious stuff and look at this letter And and the things that he's he's saying, what he's presenting to them, and these are people who are new to Christ. The interview we just heard from that student who was visiting Asbury—he had come to Christ a year and a half ago. That's not a long time, so it's relatively new to him. All of those things. These people are new. New to Christ, new to the things that are unfolding, new to um, his his truth. So, what kind of things do you present to people who are new to something like this? You probably want to lower the bar. You know, you want to put the cookies down low enough for them to reach them. You want to make it so easy they can't miss it. You want to put it on coloring sheets. Simple, simple terms. Not so much. Okay, Colossians 1, 15 through 23. heard it read earlier, but let me, uh, let me walk us through this. We're going to go from unseen to seen. Verse 15, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Simple enough. Get your coloring sheets out, eat those little cookies, not hardly. Christ, Christ is the uh, Messiah. He is the one who is uh, promised in the scriptures from Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 as the one who's going to come and overwhelm, crush the head of the serpent, the deceiver, the one who has come to destroy humanity. And we get an image through that of why is there evil why why do we face the things we face in this life? What is it that has shown up here that we, we were born into uh, this this has been here a long time. we show up that 's what exists. We may be told all kinds of things about why why things are unfolding in the world and and Often we come back to the government needs to fix it as though the government is God, which is really stupid. It, they just can't solve it. They never have. We've seen all kinds of governments come and go. They have not fixed it yet. They won't. There is one who will govern who can, and he's not here yet. So we're talking about the Messiah, the one who's been promised, who is, in. as we read through the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, we're coming up with this promised one who has a grasp of true justice, of victory over the evil one who's trying to destroy humanity, of one who has a dream for us that is in a paradise where the lion and the lamb can coexist, a place where people from every nation can get along, because they are all connected to the Messiah, to the Christ. All of that. Christ, the one who came, and, and when this letter is written after Jesus has come. He's died on the cross. He's been resurrected. He has now ascended into the heavens. He is at the right hand of the Father at the throne in heaven. And that Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. because You can see him. You, you, can, you can connect. He was here. A little bit of info from Paul the Apostle. Paul the Apostle was killing Christians because he didn't think there was anything to this, and they were dangerous. So we need to stop this nonsense about talking about someone who died for our sins and rose from the dead, and that's just nonsense. And we need to stop it, and we need to stop it now. So he's ready to arrest, kill, whatever it takes to stop Christians that's what he was doing. And then Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, shows up and meets him on the road, which changed his philosophy. He rethought it. He said, well, here's this guy that died, and he, they say he rose from the dead, and lo and behold, here he is, risen from the dead. And he's talking to me, and now I'm in trouble. Because it's for real, and then he goes off to spend time with Jesus, trained by Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. Paul goes off and is trained by him, so he's given information like the apostles who walked and you read, read about in the gospels. The resurrected Jesus is doing that with Paul. You go, let's. Well, okay, that's that's an interesting thing. So when he says Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He knows something about it, the invisible God. That's the one we typically can't see. Moses asks, "You know, God, show me your glory," and he gets to see a portion of God in His passing, and He calls out His characteristics as as He's moving past. So there's glimpses. There's times when, in for the prophets, that they can see the Lord high and lifted up. There are times when they see Him on a throne seated. Uh, the beginning of Ezekiel or Isaiah chapter 6. So there's just times when he's, he's just pictured in these places, and most of the time he's invisible, unseen. We don't, we don't connect with him that way. We see his handiwork. We see what he's done. We see him at touching uh, lives, or we look into the heavens, and we can see the stars and the planets, and we go, oh, there's something that's going on out there. We can look around at life. Here we see a baby born, and you go, Wow, that's just amazing. God is up to something. The invisible God is touching life and lives, and He does intervene in this world. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. So the invisible God showed up through Scripture. We get these stories from Scripture when He would appear. So he appeared to Moses. There are other times when he would appear as a human being. He would manifest as a person who would come in Genesis 18. He sits down and has dinner with Abraham. And he visits and they talk about a number of things. And there's the invisible God has just shown up and manifested. But he's manifesting himself in that form. In Christ, in the Messiah, he has joined humanity, being born as a human being, God and man, all in one, that's what Paul's talking about. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. You ever read that and just kind of moved on? It is unbelievable what's being said here. Christ is a visible image of the invisible God. And you can know him. You can talk to him. You can be taught by him. You can travel with him, the resurrected Lord. That's what Paul did. It is an incredible thing. So on, supreme over everything. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. There's a a lot of things that are going on that that are unfolding just in these lines that we are given. Again, let's back up to the when Paul's writing a letter to these people are rare pretty. Pretty fresh to this whole Christian thing they 're coming out of a world and, and they 're thinking they 've been worshiping other gods, the gods of the Greeks zeus apollos athena they have a whole different realm of belief that's that 's their world those are the holidays that they celebrate those that 's how you interact and when you sit around the table and you and you give grace and thanks to your gods for the lamb stew that you're about to have you're thinking a different god Zeus is is the leader of this bunch and there's a whole uh, huge number of them those are their gods and now they've walked away from that and just like the Hmong people they are now ridiculed they're put down if they try to get a job you go hey, you're a Christian you know we're all about Zeus and so you know nope and the government's opposed to them. The other religions are opposed to them. They are in trouble. So you think of, of a community like that. And and wouldn't it be nice if they would just... If Paul would write things that would just be simple for them. You know, something that would be acceptable. And, and you know, you need to, to think about yourself and your self-esteem. You, you need to think about how good you are. And... You know, God just wants to hold your hand. Why does he stop there? Why doesn't he touch on those kind of things? Why? And I'm saying that because so often in churches, that's exactly the direction we go. We try to put this thing way down. They we go, well, Jesus was the greatest teacher of all time. He was the one who gave all these examples and made it possible for people to understand. He put those cookies down on the lower. And Jesus said... I give them parables so that they don't understand. Now, whoa, 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 back up the truck. You did what? I give them parables so they don't understand. Why? Because he's waiting for the spiritual person to turn on their hearts, to open themselves up to the Spirit of God and understand his truth. He's not lowering the bar. Never lowered the bar. He never puts the cookies on the lowest shelf. If you've heard that, you've heard it from the enemy who has lied to you once again. Do not accept it. That is not what he's doing. Out of his own mouth, he said, that's not what I'm doing. I have something better for you. It's to raise the bar to the heavens so that you might live. No more fooling around. No more just coloring sheets. No more pretending but living the life that I've given you. Do you know who gave that? The one who is the visible image of the invisible God, who has come, who created all things. Him, that one. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. Yeah, wow, that's a strong statement because I think for most Americans, supreme over all creation is my job and my money and my bank account. Whatever drives me, whatever hobby I'm into, whatever lusts, desires, wherever my head takes me, that's supreme over everything else. And he's saying, really? Because all of creation is going to crumble before me because he is supreme over all creation. He created it. And look how this thing works. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. Wait a minute. You just said that. Christ created, and that he made the things we can see and the things we can 't see, so which is it? Did God do that, or did Jesus do that or and the answer is yes, because God God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, working together, one God, accomplishing great things. So when you read those kind of statements, stop and think about it just a second. Because he is saying the craziest thing. And it is yes, because he created all things. Yes, Jesus created all things. Yes, God the Father created all things through him. Yes, God the Creator sees him. The visible image of the invisible God who came from the heavens and he he made all of these things. It is unbelievable. What is unfolding in this little little letter in this section where he does not lower the bar. These are people who have worshipped other gods. How can they wrap their heads around this? We can't even teach this to Christians who have been Christians for 30 years. It just goes right by. And these are new people, new to this. Coming from a totally different way of thinking. And their minds are just exploding. And they are so excited, just like that young man we just saw. Because God showed up. And they recognized it. And they quit playing games. And they said, yes, that's God. That's the one we want to know. We want to know more about him. No more of the pretending. No more following after these other gods. We want this one above all else. So let's go on. Material creation, Christ made the things we can see. God the Father, yes. Christ, yes, made the things we can see. So the world that we live in, the physical material world made by God, and we see his handprint over all these things, the way things work, the interaction, the the galaxies and all that exist out there, down to the smallest uh, atomic particles, He's done it all. Christ made the things we can see. So we've got the material creation that we live in, and he can alter that whenever he wants. And if you recall, when there were storms, he could stop them. If the he needed to take a trip across the, the lake, he just walked across the water. How do you do that? If you happen to be the master of creation, you can pretty much do that. He's Okay. I'll just make a... Well, it just doesn't affect me the same way it does everyone else. Because he's God and man. Both. So he can do all of it. He can be baptized. Can you imagine John trying to baptize him and he kept bouncing on top of the water? He's got to go into the water. So he's got to be man, but he can also walk on the water when the time calls for it. So he can do either. But Christ made the things we can see. Christ made the things we can't see. So the thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities, those are the things that we don't readily recognize, and yet they are influencing our world, our lives, our families daily. Those are the things that, in opposition to God, have gotten loose. That rebel bunch, uh, rebel beings, when God created the physical world, the material world, the heavenly existence was already there, and those divine beings were already there, angels were already there. We're told that they were they were there are a number of them who are rejoicing and excited and singing as God is creating this material universe that we're in. So in this other dimension, in this spiritual reality that, that's existed long before this one, those beings were there. They saw what God was doing here, there were some Issues of jealousy and that they wanted to be worshipped. And so they rebelled. They turned against God. And they have been giving us headaches ever since. And we've covered those those beings before. But this is another reference to them. And you may have read through Colossians before and go, I'm not seeing any big spiritual thing. He's talking about those very gods that these people have been worshipping. And he's saying, they have been here. They are here. They are influencing you. They are influencing Rome. They are influencing Greece. They are influencing all the way down into Africa and Egypt. They are influencing the world. Christ made the things we can't see. Were there good ones? Yeah, because there are angelic beings, different heavenly beings of different names. But they have thrones, which means they have a place of authority. They have kingdoms, places that they are responsible for over a realm. They have... uh, Positions of rulership where they they can control a certain area they have authority powers where they influence some of those are demons, and many of the demons are very low level but then there are others who are overhold nations, and the nations were divided in after the tower of Babel and so we got a whole mess of them around the world and you wonder where our wars and rumors of wars come from, and they're often behind it. Not that humans aren't really capable of doing all that, but they get a little bit of help. So he's addressing that. He made the things we can see, the things we can't see, all of those other beings that exist out there. And some of them are rebellious. Some of them have turned their back on God. Some of them have one thing in mind, and that is to destroy whatever God loves. He loves humanity. They want to destroy humanity. And so they're going to tempt to trick, to crush anyone, anywhere, any nation, divide families if they can, anything to crush and destroy. So that's, Jesus has come. He said, I'm, I made all that, and then this thing happened. And as we go through more of Colossians, you see what he does with them, uh, as, he, as he deals with them, as we as we continue on. In uh, verse 17, his hold, he existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. He's always existed, but we're just given, you know, just remember before any of this, before the material things that we see, the physical world that we live in, all of this he made. Before it ever existed, he was out there. Now he's made this, and he holds it together. The baby born in Bethlehem. You go, what? Yeah, that one. Dies on the cross. Risen from the dead. Seated at the right hand of power in heaven. That one. He's got what? He's holding it together. So, you see that image on the screen. That is an atom. So, it's an interesting thing to consider. You know about magnets? You guys ever play with these in school? So on these magnets I have, there's a north end is red. There's a south end that's blue. If you put opposites together, you remember? They come together. If you switch that around and you put the same ones toward each other, what happens? They don't They don't much like each other. So they're pushing... They'll push each other apart. So, do you know how this works? What's in the middle of the atom? Nucleus made of protons, positively charged. So, as long as you've got positively charged one proton, it gets along fine. What if it has a neighbor? What if you go from hydrogen to helium, what happens to those positively charged in the nucleus? Who holds it together? Who holds it together? Because that ought not work. And you got electrons negatively charged. They're spinning around. What if they slowed down a little bit? You got positive and then the nucleus, and we all blow up. But it doesn't happen that way. Who holds it together? He's been doing that since the get go because he made it all. He knew that. None of this surprises him. It's happening the physical world, the material world we live in, because he made it, and he's holding it together. He's keeping the planets where they should be. We haven't changed from being the third planet to the second planet because that would be really hot. We wouldn't do well. We haven't moved out, and it would get really cold. We happen to stay right here, just like Goldilocks, just where it's comfortable. (laughs) We can live here because he holds it together. All the movement of all the planets and all the stars. And he's holding it all together. Verse 17. And there's more. He's first. Verse 18. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. Wow, I thought the you know first were whoever won the Super Bowl. Whoever gets an Oscar, whoever gets to be president, whoever. Isn't that first? No. Christ is head of the church. That's the body of believers, the people who have followed him, who have turned from other gods, other things, turned to him. So that group of people make up the church. And he becomes the head. When we become the body, when the head says, uh, let's go. That's how it works, unless the head is severed from the body. And for many people, that's kind of how they approach Jesus. Well, we'll just do this on our own. I used to watch those chickens, headless chickens, after my grandma went to make lunch, running around in the yard. They run into all kinds of things, and they don't last long. And yet, there are whole churches, whole groups of people claiming to know Christ who are running around headless without connecting with him, not listening to him, not finding out where where do you want us to go? What do you want us to do? If we are close to him, we have his power, we have his blessing, we have his favor. If we decide to go do it on our own, he says, without me, you can do nothing. And yet, it's often exactly where we wind up. He's the creator of all things. He's not fooling. He holds everything together. He is... The one God has said, you are in charge of this bunch, you earned them, you died on the cross for them, you loved them, and now they are yours. They are to listen to you. We represent the body, the people, and he is the head. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead, which is the promise that we get, that if we walk with him, we come to him, we turn to him, we believe in him, We receive him, we have life eternal. So with that, we have a new chance, a new direction to go, a new way of living life now and then forever. And he's already risen from the dead, the first one to do that, which is why it's making that statement. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead. One of the huge issues for humanity has been death. What do you do about that? In every mythology, in every system, religious system, there's something, you've got to deal with what's under the earth, which is usually where the abyss, hell, Hades, Sheol, whatever name given, that place, the place of the dead, that's a frightening thing. Death is a frightening thing. People avoid it, they won't talk about it, because it is a frightening thing. And then we have people who die in our lives, and that's a frightening thing. It's It's just so horrible. And Jesus goes down there because he died and he was sent to that place. And he straightened them out. Says he went down there and he preached to them. To those who were rebellious, who had turned away from God, he says, you guys ain't getting out. Y'all staying here because we're not done with you. To the others, he said, there's freedom, there's hope. I am coming out of this place and I'm going to bring you one day. You're going to be back. Huh. Because he took the keys. He took the keys of death in Hades. He has them. Satan no longer has them. Death is no longer that frightening thing. It no longer wins. He is supreme. Jesus is supreme over everything. First in everything. There is no other like him. He is head of the called out ones, which is ecclesia, which is the church. He's supreme over all those brought from the dead. God was pleased, verses 19 to 20, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. What a crazy statement. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And again, you got God the Father, God the Son, and all of that's going together. And which one was it? And it's not either or, it's yes. All of it. That's what God is doing and accomplishing great things. And through him he reconciled, brought together people with God, with the one who created all things. This relationship that God intended in the beginning... And it got, got separated and got broken. Death interfered. All of those things have, have created a huge gap. And he said, now I'm going to turn that around. Through Jesus. Through the cross. Through the blood on the cross. I'm going to change it. There's power in that blood to change things. To bring a reconciliation. To bring true relationship and connection. And love Out of of this relationship. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. See there, that's the spiritual supernatural thing. It's out there in heaven. God's throne. The brokenness that existed on the earth. And he's even brought all of that together. Back into the balance. It's not done yet, but it started. And he's working on it. And he's still wanting to work in us and provide us so much more so what so what because of all this you are no longer far from God what once existed that separated people from the creator of all things uh, don't have to be that way anymore because of Jesus because of what he's done because of his death on the cross so you are no longer far from God you are not separated from God because of your evil because Jesus has paid for the sins. He's made it possible. Again, you have been made compatible for relationship with God. You have been made compatible for relationship with God. 20, verses 21 and 22. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemy, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Without a single fault. He's changed it all. It's not the same. All those things that existed and drove us away, separated us from God, separated us in in trying to follow him because everything in our mind says you're evil, you've done all this junk You've acted in rebellion against God. You've hurt other people. There is no way. And Jesus says there is a way because everybody has sinned. Everybody has fallen short. And I have a way. I'll take it on myself. I will take it on myself. Die on the cross. His bloodshed and his death brought about a new life for all of us. He changed it all. And we can be, because of that, holy and blameless as we stand before him. So now what? Now what? Continue to believe this truth. Don't drift away from the assurance. Verse 23. You must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world. And I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. God has moved in Paul's life and now he's telling others this is real. The risen Christ is real. What God has done is real. And you have to hold on to it. You can't just toy with it. You can't just... On one day, decide this is good, the next you don't. Turn from one God to another. This is the time to come to him, to stand firmly in his truth, recognizing that he is the one who is supreme over all things. And he's made it possible, and he's made it possible for you to have a relationship with him and to overcome the evil you may not have even known was out there that has influenced your life or influenced the world around you And now you know. They didn't know either. They thought those other gods were real. Well, they were real. They just thought they should follow them. That was a bad idea. We've had many bad ideas too because we found other ones that we like and we followed. And it's devastating and it's destructive and it leads to death. And he says, I got something better. How about reconciliation? What about a new life? What about an eternal life? Holy and blameless. Connected with the living God, the creator of all things. He is supreme. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending him. Thank you for the scriptures revealing uh, things that explain our world and our lives. Thank you for making it possible for us to live better, more complete in ways maybe we never even thought of before. Thank you for being faithful uh, when we've been faithless. Thank you for being patient when we have walked away. Thank you for uh, revealing yourself in the heavens through the material things. Thanks for holding all things together. Thanks for making a way for us in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.